Welcome to Real Native Roots, a podcast by Native Woman with Deep Roots. I'm so excited that you're here to join me for the first official episode. And I'm really excited to share with you all who is going to be talking with us today and um, just a little bit of context about what that will be in terms of the topic and who. So as you all know, this podcast is called Real Native Roots. I really wanted to come from a root place because how we show up in this space is about the experiences in our life and where we come from. We come from our mother's womb and how our mother raised us and how they nurtured us and took care of us and just, you know, did the best that they can and with with what they know in um, guiding us. And many of us probably have had different mothers in in our lifetime. We have our our birth mother, um, our aunts play as mothers, uh, our grandmother, you know, our older grandmothers also play as as mothers. And we even have friends, um, maybe older friends and our mentors that play somewhat in that role as, as a mothering role. And everything that, you know, I feel in terms of some of my good qualities, but also qualities that I'm working on, you know, come from my, my mom, my dad, and the people that I surround myself with. And I really wanted this first podcast to be with my mom. I, you know, my mom is really my foundation. She's my root. Um, and she's really has shown me what it means and what it looks like to be a strong woman. And, um, but she also, you know, has, taught me a lot of things in terms of uh, how to take things lightly, to just relax a little. I I would have to say between my mom and I, I'm a little bit more of the, um, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. (laughs) And my mom tends to be more like, well, let's just go with the flow and see what happens. And so anyway, I really wanted you all to meet the person that I truly love and adore and just look up to and have you all meet her and have an understanding of uh, her life and what she's learned. And we're going to talk about moms. What does it mean to be a mom? What does that, what does that feel like? And um, have her share a little bit about the mom she had and some of the other mothers that came into her life. And, and also what it really means to be a grandmother as well. And our culture we have uh, a way that we say mom, um, and the Navajos, we say Shema, my mom. Um, we also say Shema Yeja, which is my little mom. My aunt. Oh, my aunt. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And then there's uh, Shema Sane, which is my grandmother. And that's the grandmother on the mom's side. So anyway, um, I want my mom to introduce herself to tell us a little bit about um, her, her name, of course, your clans, um, if you can translate that in English for some folks who are not um, Navajo using, you know, um, users of that language. So please introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, those that are around and who will be hearing our message. I greet you all. I'm uh, from the Sinajini clan. My mother was Sinajini, so that automatically uh, entitles me to her clan. So I'm Sinajini and Hanagani. Yes, one who walks around. 
Those two. They're my grandpas. But we've been looking forward to this um, um, podcast. Everything's new. And I'm like, I mean, I see it on Dr. Phil, but I'm like, oh my gosh, my daughter has iPod. I'm like, hello, <laughs> what's this world coming A podcast. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I guess the, that's the reason why we raised them to go out and learn all you can. So that's, that's what she's doing. So she, mm. she just um, surprises me sometimes with a lot of things um, that come into the technical world that we live in now it's fast paced and just shakes up us up thinking like oh man i'm still in old school but it's welcoming and um i hope you all enjoy yes our discussion thank you so much mom for telling us who you are a little bit your clans and um your thoughts about what we're doing (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's talk about moms um Tell us a little bit about your mom, her name, and what what you really appreciate about your mom. Maybe even a really fond memory. Um, what you enjoyed about her? Okay, well, I'm a proud mom of two girls, Vicky, my oldest, and then my other youngest daughter is Shandine, and I have two sons, Jackson and Jim Oman Jr. So those are my four blessings that I have been um, blessed with. And my mother uh, was in her, uh, I would say, in her late 20s, I, I think when she um, had nine children, all of us, um, the youngest one was a newborn, and um, she passed after that. And so I was around seven when she passed on. So it it, it just, um, of course, when you're that little, I just remember that all I remember is um, being in boarding school. And um, we were in the dining room when um, one of the matrons came up and told me that there were some people here to see me. And I've never had visitors, so I, uh, they took me up to the, to the lobby. And my grandmother was there. And my, from, uh, my, I had um, actually my, my, my mother's mother and my uh, grandmother that I just spoke of were twins. So my mother's mother had passed on when I was born. So I didn't really, I never had a chance to meet her. And I just recently, uh, just looking at my um, birth certificate, which took forever for me to um, obtain, I realized that she left right when I was born. She passed away when I was born in 1950. And so 
I I can only tell you briefly, of course, um, um, about my mother and hardly anything about my grandmother because I didn't see her. And um, my mother died while I was so young. And it was just a shock to me. I know that. And I didn't understand, even though they told me, you know, that my mother had passed on. I, I, I didn't know. Maybe that's when I realized what shock was. I don't know. But I, all I know is I went through the motions and, and was taken into the back of a big truck. They didn't have many vehicles then. And um, this so happens that one of my cousins um, on my um, father's side had a, a, a truck, and he was pretty well known around that area. So he had a, a tarp over the, the back of the pickup, uh, like a, a stock rock. And uh, we were all in there, and were they were helping me get in. And I saw my dad there, and he was just crying. And I was like, I, I still didn't understand what was going on. And then when we got back to, <clears throat> excuse me, around Cedar, I just saw all these people, their wagons and and horses and just, people and um they were all in our little hogan i don't know how we got all these people in there but we i by that time i was actually scared i i was like what's going on i keep looking around for my mom i expected to her to be there so i guess at that point i didn't really understand what death was and I was looking for her, and I couldn't find her among any of the people, and a lot of them were just crying. And, of course, my father wasn't talking, and and so that's how I realized that my mother was gone. I didn't know she, at that age, of course, too, it was taboo for us to be um in a, in a setting of that type. And we didn't know, uh, we, we couldn't go to her funeral. None of that activity was known to us because it was taboo. I mean, the, uh, most of the men did everything. The women tended to the kid, children. So my aunt was just there for us and just we just stayed there in the house. So that that's how you found out Grandma Violet passed. Mm -hmm. And so before that, though, as you remember Grandma, I remember you telling stories about um, her mothering, like how she mothered you all. And some some stories about like the canyon or her coming to visit. Um what, what other sort of fond memories do you remember her and how she really was a good mom? How did she model good mothering? I, as little as I was, um, I, I'm happy to say that I was very happy child <laughs> when my mother was there. It was, it's just like 
being wrapped up in a nice, hot, warm blanket on a cold, cold day. You just feel the love and the embrace. She was like that with all of us. She was um, very loving, but she was stern also. But um, she taught us at a very young age. There was no uh, age limit as to what you can learn. You, You start very young. And I was already um, herding sheep, so I would herd sheep with my brother, but she would always pack a little snack for us, a little uh, a handkerchief. She would put a piece of bread or, you know, just a piece of meat, dried meat, or, you know, for us to have um, while we're out there with the sheep, and water, of course, and... and um, she always uh, taught us um, to be cautious of um, other, you know, things around like um, lizards, <laughs> uh, creepy crawlies and all that, you know. But she, you know, you know, we, they teach us when you're young to be cautious of those. So she would give us that little lecture. And she always spoke to us in Navajo. When we didn't know what English was. So we um, we would go down to the canyon, which was our favorite place, because uh, the wild walnuts were, you know, always growing down there, and the, the of course wild grapes and and just you know the water. There was always a stream coming that ran through there all season. It was it, it was uh, the most beautiful place to be because. You were always surrounded by hummingbirds, hundreds and hundreds of hummingbirds in the canyons. And um, the sheep automatically just go down there because it's Thursday and they know, they know their way, so we just follow them. And and we sometimes get lo- um, carried away uh, eating walnuts, cracking walnuts, and not just to stay out of trouble and to stay on my mom's good side. <laughs> we always take the skin because that's what she uses to to dye her wool and she's making rugs so what we never waste anything we always took all, all the you know the the nut shells and then the the nut peelings the green part or the brown part and then just pack it home and she'd always know then and said did you lose any sheep <laughs> my grandpa was always um, the one who counted the sheep I always remember my my grandpa being around us. We lived with him, so um, my dad, of course, was always on the road uh, um, working. You know, like um, uh, he worked for the railroad, and then he also worked um, for the army the army depot in um, Belma near Flagstaff, or and um, so we hardly saw him. But my aunt Ruby my mom's sister, there was only three of them. There was my Aunt Ruby and my Uncle Casey and my mom. So there was only three of them. So they more or less could help around. We all all knew, you know, different things, what to do. And my favorite part, of course, was always going with my brother to um, go after the horses and, of course, herding sheep and, and um, that was our play area. We we, we just um, we go there sometime. Um, 
maybe one or twice a week sometime. I, I remember mostly maybe maybe it was like once a week that we would go out there and do laundry. And, of course, my brothers, and they would go swimming, and we just walk along the along the water. Wait, edge. so you all were doing the laundry while the, the uncles were playing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A woman's work is never done, no matter uh, how old you are. I we, guess. We start young, very young. Yes. So uh, your Aunt Evelyn and I would just hold, hold hands, and it just we don't know how to swim, so... And and my aunt Ruby, she was a swimmer because she went briefly to Inner Mountain, so that's where she learned how to swim. So she they would dive off the cliff and it was high, but they they would dive into the water, which is watched them and and um, and uh, help my mom. And we just really enjoyed it. It was it's always been like a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it, we did that as a family and but my mother was a very strong woman. She was tall. And um I think my your aunt Nora was the only one who took her hype. And you know, she was uh, um you know, just um she's just strong. <laughs> But um, she was an amazing woman. As little as I was, she always talked to us, telling us what our responsibilities were. Since we were the eldest, Irvin and I, she um, would always, in the evenings, after we have, like, play, when we play together, after uh, supper time, we play together and just race and things like that. And she would call us aside and there was always a bed by the by the doorway outside so she would have us she would lay between the two of us and she would tell tell us you need to know these things I I, I guess she must have really had a lot of confidence in us because <laughs> I was like gosh I, um, she lectured us on our responsibility as a older sister and older brother um what to do it's uh, it's almost as if she was always preparing us what i love most about my mom i can never erase from my mind aside from her cooking of course and was that one day we we took the sheep out further than just the canyon we went a different route and um towards the windmill and there we were and um we were coming home heading back and um, it started raining and i've never to this day seen rain and thunder so frightening it was literally the sky was literally black it was so dark you couldn't see the sheep were just hovered together you know in a ball they wouldn't move and of course we lived around a lot of these black rocks uh, that stood up like um um kind of volcanic volcanic yeah and they were huge some of them and we hovered 
underneath one of them. And we didn't have our, our jackets or anything to stay warm in because we, you know, it was a nice day. When we, I guess when it's cold, you know, of course they always bundle us up and stuff. But that particular time, I must have been about like maybe, hmm, gosh, five. I, I was, I was little and so was my brother. I know my older brother. I was looking up to him. I was scared. He said, don't worry, mom will find us. And I kept thinking, she's not going to find us in this kind of weather, you know. How is she going to know where we're at? But she did. I think that's the, the ma most magical gift that we are gifted with as a mother, no matter what, where, what conditions, even Mother Nature doing her worst, she would find you just because of that love. It's just like nowadays I tell my my daughter something, you guys, or my, uh, my grandkids, I tell them, you can't fool your mom. She knows you so well from the day you were born, and she knows every twitch you make on your nose and your face mm -hmm. and no matter how you try to deceive her, she'll know when you're lying to her. She knows. Every mother has that instinct. Yeah. So she knew where we were, and she came with a blanket for us, and she just held us and held us, and then she took us home. She knew we didn't know where we were going, and we are just... That's when I stopped crying. <laughs> there's, there's things I enjoy about my mom so much. I'll never forget. Those are the moments of joy and pleasure, pleasure that I have that I, I'll never forget. I know that another time, too, she would be the only one she would walk, hitchhike into Winslow. And that's about like maybe close to 50 miles from uh, where we live on the reservation and yet the cross canyons to try you know get to the highway and then from there go into town and one day um, I wasn't expecting her and um, um, I was playing in the in the uh, living room we were all we we're all into this TV at that time. It was black and white, <laughs> and uh, you know we were just we were just so fascinated by the, you know the, the television. It was like wow, you know. So everybody's cramming there in the morning, especially on weekends. And I was there in the middle of all these kids, and then somebody puts their hand covers my eye Aww. with both hands. And I was trying to guess, and I was calling my friends and whatnot, and here it was my mom. Oh. And I just, you know, those are moments you can't erase. Those are moments you can't forget. And she uh, checked me out, and we went to town. We walked to town, actually, but we were we were together. And in and, and moments like that are moments of mom. Yeah, like what moms would do anything to the best of their ability to make their child feel safe, 
to make their child feel loved, to make their child feel like they're being seen. Yes. You know, and that one thing that I remember during um, liming season, you know, when we're having lambs and as little as we were, she would tell us to feed them, you know, bottle feed them. And she would tell us, they're your children too. You're a millennial mother. You're a little mother to these goats, baby goats, baby lambs. So we had, so she would tell us that. And I guess that's why we, in, in some native families, they're like sheep and, um, you know, they're goats and animals. They're, they're like children to them. They know them. They can identify them. You know, almost as if we name our children and identify our children. Even if we had twins, they know them. So, you know, I've had a few brief moments like that before she passed on. And that's what keeps me going. And and I think it 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 um if anything she she taught me love. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't identify it. I just knew I was, those were the happiest days of my life when my mother was alive. Mm. I never worried about anything. I, you know, never hungered, never cold. She just always knew what to do. She and and um, I'm so thankful I was exposed to that. But it was very brief, brief, but the the best. Seven years that no one can replace. So those are moments that I remember so well. And um, so after she died, everything went topsy-turvy. It shifted. You know, you had to grow up really fast. And even though you had your aunt... Your mom, your maja, your mayaja, um, take care of you it was different. It's a different kind of feeling, oh, yeah. mm. and and I know afterwards you were placed in a foster home and met a different kind of mom. Yeah. <laughs> what was well? Tell us a little bit about that. What was that? Because you were like on the res, literally on the res, um, herding sheep in the canyons. Then you grew up with your aunt. You know, and your cousins there. So you had your brothers, your sisters, and then your cousins. And I'm sure there's a whole other dynamic there. But then you went to foster placement, and that was away from the reservation. That was in another state. And so describe that feeling of adjusting. But I guess more importantly, I really want to hear is like that mom, she's your foster mom, what, what were you so thankful for in terms of what she taught you and what she showed you and how she showed up as a mom? Okay. I was probably in uh, about mm, 14, 15 years old around that age that I was told I was um, signed up for a foster home. And I'm like, what? You know, I, I guess I, I knew that my mother was um, 
uh, um, LDS member. Um, the elders would come out to Round Theater and and introduce the uh, religion to her. So um, everybody just identified and kind of just stuck that on us too. So based on, I guess they ran a boarding schools to take or send us to, I don't know. But uh, uh, when I signed up, I, I really didn't know what to expect. And and I was a teenager, so when uh, we were all um, gathered in Provo, Utah, to meet our, our foster parents that we were assigned to, we... Um, I met my foster parents there for the first time. They were in their 60s. And white hair. <laughs> I can't imagine raising a like, teenager at 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think I was shocked. They were even more shocked. And all I know is I saw my foster mother, and she was so beautiful. She was so kind and sweet. And my foster dad, too, was very tall and stocky and so gentle. He's a handsome man. And um, I, I just thought, what an ideal couple. And But I didn't know what to do about that. I was just like, how do I, how do I interact with them? You know, how, how all kinds of things went through my mind. What do I eat? What do I wear? What do I... You mean to tell me they didn't have fried bread? No. <laughs> I never heard of tortillas on the hot grill. Oh, my gosh. And I was raised on rabbit food. You name it. Whatever. I, I remember um, having my um, brothers and uncles and grandpa um, cooking, roasting a porcupine underground. Oh, that's the sweetest meat you'd ever taste. It was so good. But I was raised on food like that. Fried potatoes, you know. <laughs> Fried potatoes and wild game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, of course, we had fruits. We had grapes. <laughs> All organic from Walnuts. the county, from the canyon. <laughs> All organic from the canyon. <laughs> and so I, I was very nervous, and, but I couldn't do anything about it. By that time, I more or less accepted what situation I was put in. I just had to deal with that. I just had to adjust. So what, what, was, what was her name, your foster mom? Elaine. So what did Elaine t teach you? I mean, what are you so grateful for that? I'm so glad that Elaine taught me these things. She taught me how to speak English. Speak English? The boarding school didn't teach you? They taught, but it was broken. And it it was never... I mean, if you're beaten to learn a language you don't know, your heart's not in it, and you don't want to learn the precise pronunciation or anything you know anything to get just get you by what word did you get frustrated with oh i i can't even begin to <laughs> there's so many and 
So she taught you and helped you with your speech. What else? She, she taught me how uh, with my my speech, of course, and she taught me how to dress. <laughs> I mean, I knew coordinating clothes and stuff. She taught me how to cook. She taught me how to sew. I mean, it's endless. Even gardening, I would watch her. She would have me digging in 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 the garden with her, but she made it so much fun. And she just taught me so much. And my dad, my foster dad was a rancher, so he had a lot of Angus um, cows that he raised. So I was kind of had the, uh, when I get homesick, I would go to my foster sister Gay's ranch, and they would, they would have horses there, so I still had a chance to go horseback riding and things like that. But my my foster mother uh, just really, um, she tried to teach me piano, but I, I tell you, I was awful. I just I just didn't have the patience for it. But I would love, I would love it when she played. I'd just lay under the piano and listen <laughs> Just listen to her play. <laughs> and I think, well, you well, you told me too growing up that, you know, your sort of medicine was singing. And, you know, being there with um, your foster family, I know that singing actually was a place where you kind of relieved and you were really good, I hear. Well, I don't know about that. That's a, that's a whole new other... <laughs> um, difference of opinion but for myself I could I, I don't think I could say that but I did maybe we'll have you sing something no <laughs> <laughs> hey so let's see if you know this person like so you know we're talking about music a little bit about you know she played music so music was always a part of your life and you know as you were in um you know, teaching me to be a young woman and, you know, future mother, I remember we'd be cleaning, you would we'd be cleaning every weekend, and then you would play this, and I'd be like, okay, let's see if you can guess who this is, Mom. Hold on. Love you, Daddy, and I know oh. you know you got a good thing going, Papa, don't let go. Yes, mom, it's Buffy. <laughs> so, I love Buffy, I tell you, I love that oh, tune and songs. Nobody would listen to it but me. Well, I had to listen to it. <laughs> I was like, mom, let's play Madonna, right? Or Whitney Houston. And she's like, no, that's what our cleaning music was, was Buffy. So, and oldies. And oldies, <laughs> yes. So so your foster mom encouraged a whole, like, food, sewing. That, now I know why you know how to sew real well. Music, really encouraged your music. Yeah, she she just uh, opened up a whole new world for me. And I just felt like a cave woman that finally um, cleaned up her act. <laughs> Oh, I think you're living a little too hard on yourself there, Mom. No, but she did. She she really played an important role. And I I I always talk about um values and um on how to take care of yourself. Even when you're married, 
she I've never seen her sloppy or letting go of herself. She before my foster dad comes home, she'd be all prim. And I would tell that that's one thing that I'm gonna teach my daughters. No matter how tired you are, you're gonna clean yourself up and just look so nice for your husband to come home to and know that you can juggle more than just one. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can um look beautiful and still cook the fried chicken. Yeah, that that generation was quite interesting, and uh, I, I can tell you now, I'm sure um, the younger millennials would beg to differ about that <laughs> concept. <laughs> There's too many McDonald's out now, they ruin it. But yeah, she, she brought a lot of happiness into my life. I owe her so much. I think she was the best that ever happened to me. I loved both my parents, my foster parents. I'll never forget them. And um, I could never replace what they taught me because that's what helped me to be the mother that I am. Although I wasn't exposed to the values or the traditional ways that I should have been taught, but my grandmother passed on and my grandpa was, you know, in another place. We had to uproot to be away from him. And then my aunt was more like a, I don't know, town person. and They were never home. We were always home taking care of the kids and feeding and cleaning. That's all we knew, desert life. We don't know what goes on in the town. We don't know what takes place in hot spots or anything like that. We didn't know. We just sort of in enclosed in a, in a place where we're not, we don't know what's going on in the world. We're just, we're lucky if we even had a chance at at night to uh, to listen to KOMA. That was pleasure there. That was a thrill. <laughs> and that was only, it was a time limit too. It wasn't like we, we, had, we didn't have TV or, or any technology kind of, games or anything like that we have now and I think that's we had to chop wood we had to there's never um, a moment where you can just um, leisurely kick back you can't what time I tried a, a few times that I've tried to sneak off to read love magazines I always got into trouble with that, so I never even um, love stories. I used to like to read them, but they're all fiction. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Only happens. In <laughs> but um, well, hearing hearing the stories about your foster mom and also Grandma Violet, you know, I can definitely attest to some of those values that have passed on like what what's important to you and and how you really have tried to mold me to be the person that I am today probably in some areas I would push back <laughs> like, I don't want to do that mom one of them I can tell you all people is that you know I, I would always argue about it, getting dressed I would 
my mom would always get all nice and gussied up to go <laughs> shopping and I'd be in my sweatpants and t-shirt. I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, you definitely have really just like, as I'm listening to you have heard sort of some of the lessons about like a mom's unconditional love, you know, what distance a mom would do to just make their child feel so, so complete and happy and, you know, surprising your children. And um, regardless of how scary a situation may be that a mom just innately, instinctively knows that my child's in trouble, I need to go search and find. And, and also, I think the other thing that I know that what your experience with your foster parents, you've pushed me too, is that to try new things, you know, to experience new things. And, you know, I, I laugh at some of the things that, that you would, now that I'm older, I, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad my mom made me watch Weathering Heights and Gone with the Wind and things <laughs> that I did not want to watch. But I'm so glad that I had because like now I, you know, people talk about those now and, and even like the music, you know, introducing me to old country and oldies, but also being an excellent cook, you know, so it's just passed on and, and, um, I think that, you know, as women, as I listen to you, so I'm like, mom, don't be so hard on yourself. I think as moms, we are hard on ourselves. You know, we're, we're trying to, we're like octopuses. (laughs) We're, we're doing, you know, if you have a partner, you're trying to be a good partner, your mom, you're managing that. And then if you're working, you're managing that. There's just a lot that it, that you're trying to do and make everyone happy. And I mean, one thing that I, I know, I was talking to a friend about, we're talking about moms. I'm like, you know, one thing I remember about my mom is I never really heard her complain. Like she'd be doing all these things. And my, our home was always a place where everybody would come. We would always have every weekend. It seemed like we would always be having a cookout or a gathering and my mom would be cooking and I'd be helping her, but I never heard her complain. Um, and I think about my grandmother and on my dad's side the aunties would tell me the same way, like the older generation never complained. They just did it. They just did it. And, and now like, uh, I will attest, I do complain. <laughs> like there's a lot of work, like, you know, for holidays, I'm like, Oh, I'm hosting again. I'm so tired. But, um, yeah, I just, the, the, the mothers in the different generation, I feel like, um, really grew up in a different era, but they were stronger and, and every which way. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing being a mom. It is, it's a real it's honor. A it's a real honor. It's hard. It's scary. And even, even after you've had one kid, the second kid, it's, it's scary to just because they're all yeah. different. They come, they don't come out the same. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> right. So let's, um, let's wrap up. If you would like to, um, maybe offer, you know, a tip or two to mothers out there and even for fathers who are in the mother's role. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's the, you know, I know there are situations like that where they, they tend to be more in that space, but what do you offer um, as some words of wisdom to folks? Um, I, I, I wish that was something brief that you could just give right offhand, but for a mother, there's, there's, it's endless. 
and it's a lot of it is done through love and and um all i can say to all of you who um have mothers and fathers but um you know just um love them for them and and um remember that it it's hard for them as they get old. It's hard on them because they can't be who they used to be. They just um, are robbed of the strength and the, the vitality that they used to have because age is not kind or, or generous to them. But just enjoy every moment that you have with your mom doesn't have to be elaborate. I enjoy my time with my daughter. We don't do anything crazy like fly around the world. We just enjoy every moment of whatever we can do to get together, stay close. My daughter had the most beautiful suggestion one time. Yes, we all argue and have our differences, but don't let it infest. Forgive each other and just go on, live, be happy, because those moments we have are brief. And every stolen moment that I can get away now is precious to me because I love being with my children. They are the world to me. They taught me what love was, true, unconditional love. They taught me that because I craved for it. I never had it. And I had a struggle for things like that. But now, ever since my firstborn just opened the world to me, and I felt differently, and I thought, even though I didn't have any mentors or anyone really to guide me, I learned from my um, my mom, even though she was here briefly for with me, and then what little I got from my aunt, I took out the good and the bad, and then for my foster mom, she taught me what I would love to have and raise an ideal family. She taught me what it was like to be um, open-minded about life itself. Give and take, sacrifices, but love is the strongest point. And I think that that should always be there. We're blessed with that. We're honored with that. And I'm proud to be a mom. I'm proud to be a grandma. I'm proud that I can be an aunt because I love all my nieces and nephews. They mean the world to me, too. And they take care of me. They look after me at my age now. But um, there's just so much. There's nothing brief about Something you can say about moms. Moms in the world make the world go around. 
Thank you. I just told my mom, thank you, mom, and I love you, mom. And all of you that are listening, I really hope that you spend some time in the future to just call mom and jibber-jabber, um, surprise mom with, you know, visit, um, I feel that as we get older and we have our own families, it's we um, we get so consumed with busyness that we sometimes forget to slow down and make that call or that text and you know to reconnect. And um, yeah, and I think also to just you know be mindful about being gentle with yourselves and you know as my mom was saying you know you can have disagreements and not see eye to eye but you know our pack (laughs) one time we we did have um a a falling out but it really bothered me because I was so I'm so close to my mom and anyway our pack was is like okay we can be upset for a day but the next day is a new day so we can't we can't carry it on and we've we kept to it we really have and uh, you know, so I think it's just important and, you know, the past is the past and we all have to kind of forgive, pray, let go, and then move on. So take care of your moms. And if you're a mom, take care of yourself. And, um, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to next month's podcast and the guests that I'll be, um, bringing on and, Have a wonderful day. Thank you.